This is HPR episode 2658 entitled, Questions on Podcast Production. It is hosted by Al, and is about 46 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Al asks Dave questions about podcast production. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Welcome to another exciting episode of Hacker Papa Radio. I'm Al. I'm Dave. And we decided that, because uh, they're calling for shows, and that I wanted to um, ask Dave, who kind of does lots of podcasts, but do the post-production. I am a host of a podcast called the Ab and Podcast, and um, I wanted to ask Dave some questions about uh how the best way to record the audio for a podcast in the post-production i'm thinking of doing the uh, national podcast post month which is a annual thing in november where you get to um post uh or produce and post a podcast every day um so and i wanted to uh record or work out what the best way of producing and making the best audio um i mean the reason why is that is that I always find it really difficult to um, kind of listen to bad audio and podcasts. And it can be a bit of a uh, criticism for me because obviously uh, on my Admin podcast in the early days, the audio wasn't that great. Um, it wasn't down to me doing the audio. It was, uh, it, it was down to the guys who was doing it at the other end. Uh, but now, Dave, obviously you picked it up and it's a lot, lot better. So I wanted to kind of... Uh, ask you some questions and see where we can kind of, kind of go so what's your kind of take on uh, the bad podcast audio well <laughs> to be perfectly honest um bad audio i think is one of the things that's going to kill a podcast um i will start by saying that with admin admin it is not an easy task to get the audio uh, of a, a suitable quality or of a suitable level between multiple participants where there is just one of you so doing a solo podcast you've only got to concern yourself about how you sound but when you're including uh one or more additional participants then trying to make sure that they're the same level that they are um of the same relative quality it does get a little bit complex in that respect but audio on a podcast in general, um, I think, as a rule, certain podcasters need to be smashed over the head. And I, I say that in the nicest possible way. But I've picked up in the last few months uh, quite a few new podcasts um, in the true crime arena. 
So I've picked up a new podcast called One Eye Open, which is hosted by a lass called Steffi. She's based here in the UK. And the production quality on that podcast is incredibly good. The audio's good. The background music is is good and it's appropriate. Um, her delivery style is pretty much spot on. So as a podcast, it is quite enjoyable to listen to. But through her show and through interactions with other people on Twitter, I've started listening to other true crime podcasts as well. And I'm not going to name any names, but some of the ones that I have picked up and have started listening to, I'm in the process of deciding to sack them off. Because the quality of the audio is not necessarily such of an issue, but the level is really, really difficult to to hear. Now, I consume the majority of my podcast in the car on the way to and from work. And I have, it's a relatively old car, it's a little bit noisy. But the fact that I have to have my phone volume cranked up to the maximum and my stereo volume cranked up to the maximum in order to not be able to hear what people are saying suggests that something is wrong. Yeah, I know. That's one of my questions for later on is the level. And like, because I don't understand sometimes you have to turn up the phone volume really loud and the and the car stereo right up to the max to get the kind of out of it. I mean, I, I was listening to some of the self-help podcasts and like one of my listeners is only a really good subject, but the way they were recording this guest was like over the phone and that, and it was just too difficult to listen to. So it's three different levels. So I just basically binned it off straight away kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a little bit of confusion over what is the right level for, um, for individual voices to be uh, placed at. Now... There is something called loudness, which is nothing to do with peak level or um, or volume. Uh, It's to do with how your ear perceives loudness. So you could have, um, I mean, you've you've recorded stuff in Audacity before. You know about the the waveform that you get as you're recording, and if you look at your Audacity now as you're recording, you'll probably see that you're, I don't know, about half the height of the um, of, of the full grid Yeah, as you're talking. When, yeah, like now I'm talking, I can see it's, it's between 0.5 and minus 0.5. Right, which is about perfect. Now, you might think that that's quite quiet, but when you're listening to it, you'll, you'll discover that it's a really nice reasonable level to listen to because it's not just about how loud it is or how um how amplified it is but it's about how the the sound itself is is formed and how it's positioned now when i do uh podcast production either for my own show the bugcast or for admin admin um what i do is i put the audio through a, a service which levels the loudness for you so that it is at a set level throughout the entirety of the recording. If you um, record individuals, one who is relatively quiet and one who is relatively loud, if you just amplify it with an audacity, all you're doing is making the loud the loud part louder and the quiet part marginally louder. So you're still going to get that same difference of loud and soft, loud and soft, loud and soft as you go through. And what this service does, which I'll I'll talk about later, actually, um, it levels off the 
individual parts. So it gives the perception that the loudness is the same across them. It's a really quite a clever, clever concept. And to be fair, it's not that difficult to use. So it, it is something I do recommend. So I thought maybe we could go through our kind of um, our podcasting setup first, uh, our audio setup, and then uh, we could then kind of talk about some more questions I have. I've got a is it Q2U, which I think is the same mic as which you have. Isn't it? it is, yes. So it's basic. I got recommended when I started. It's got a USB on the back of it. So when you plug it into your PC, it actually comes as an audio device. And it's also got an XLR at the back of it. So in case in the future, if you wanted to get a mixer, it uh, you can plug it into a mixer. Uh, but mine goes into USB into my Linux machine. And um, I've got that basically on the mic arm and then a pop filter. And that's normally just record into Audacity. That's my little setup I have. So what about you, Dave? Okay, so when you say pop filter, are you talking about the, the round circular thing that sits in front of the microphone? Or is it... Uh, like a sock that goes over the end of the microphone no like a, a round circle kind gotcha of thing. okay um so my setup as you've quite rightly said i've got a samsung 2qu as well um but i'm using it on the in xlr through to a mixer uh, which is connected to my studio pc through usb um i've also got it on an arm with uh, like i say with a, a pop filter over the end of it but i've also got a shock mount on the microphone itself meaning that if i tap the microphone you can hear it but if i tap the the boom arm that it's connected to you can't mm-hmm. the idea being is that wherever you have your boom arm connected to which is probably likely to be the desk that you're actually sitting at when you tap on the table like i just did it doesn't come through the arm into the microphone and this shock mount was dirt cheap. I think it costs about a tenner, uh, ten pounds from Amazon. It's not the best thing in the world. It is starting to fall apart a bit, but it still does its job quite nicely. Yeah. Um, oddly, I've got my arm hanging down from uh, like a shelf above me because it doesn't really work the other way around for me. So. No, and I understand that. <laughs> no, so so the the idea of of putting a shock mount in is probably unnecessary for you because unless you're going to be tapping on the shelf, you won't suffer from the same um, sound issue as that. So where does that plug into? Is that, did you say it goes into a mixer? So yeah, it goes into a mixer, um, which is then connected via USB to my studio PC. So it's essentially the same as the setup you've got, but I've got a mixer between the microphone and the, um, uh, the, the PC. The reason we've done it that way is because... In our setup, we have two microphones. Okay. And having two USB devices as um, as, as, as sound devices can be problematic um, when you're doing setups like this. But also, uh, we <laughs> we still have yet to get around to re-recording the OGCamp uh, chat that we did as a family after the after we we went to OGCamp uh, in August. Um, because the way I recorded it, it was it was abysmal. I wasn't going to let that get published. Um, <laughs> but I have actually got a handful of more microphones um, in a box down here, um, which I can plug into the mixer, so we can have four microphones uh, live at a time. Okay. And so that means you can kind of adjust levels on that without doing it in the computer then, I'm guessing, with the slidey things. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can do that. You've got um, other... You, you, 
you've got tone controls as well, so you can uh, adjust the, the the top end and bass and, and mid range uh, also. But this one also has an additional functionality: is that there is a, an inline compressor on the channel itself. Okay, so what is a compressor? Because I've heard about it before, people talking about it. So. I, I can't give you a technical definition of it because I'm not a, a professional audio engineer, but in <laughs> essence, what it does is it makes an attempt at bringing up the quieter bits and bringing down the louder bits so that when you're speaking normally, you're at a certain level. If I start to speak really loudly, in theory, you're still at the same level. You just sound like you're louder, but you're not. But if you start talking really quietly, you can still hear me very clearly because of how the compressor's working. So it's it's working in the background to try and make it so the variance of natural speech, where sometimes you'll be louder and sometimes you'll be quieter, uh, tries to retain at pretty much the same level across all, all different um, different ranges. That's a non-technical description. <laughs> Okay, and so there is a couple of different kinds of mic, isn't there? As well, um, with the record, if you could, I can never remember. One is it records directly. You have to be sitting in front of it, like our mics, and it. And if you move away from your face, away from the mic, it doesn't kind of pick it up so much. But where you can get the other kind of mic, where it uh, it picks up like a three sixty, like a like one of those snowballs. Yeah, so so that's to do with pickup patterns. Yeah. Um, so the the pickup pattern that we've got on our microphones is called um, cardioid, which uh, essentially means that it's only going to pick up noises that occur directly in front of it yeah. or slightly from side to side. The other one, um, which I think the Blue Yeti has a, an option for, is omnidirectional, which means it can pick up um, sounds from all around it, which is not necessarily conducive to a recording situation such as this, because when you're talking just you into a microphone or in the setup we've got here, two people talking into two microphones, you don't want to pick up sound from anywhere else other than directly in front of it. Yes. If not, if you have like a woman gets everywhere, you can obviously, if you've got a PC or something in the background, it, that can pick up. And if, you, if you've got to cough, you can kind of come away from the mic to... Um, to, so you don't so it doesn't get picked up or it won't get picked up as loudly so yes i mean if i if i I'm, I'm directly in front of my microphone at the moment if i kind of go uh directly 90 degrees to one side of it uh i'm now talking directly at the microphone uh but i'm talking at a right angle to it 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 really drops the um the sound out quite significantly so what's the best kind of, i guess the best area to record a podcast is a nice quiet area it is, um, but I, I recognise that in a lot of situations that's not always possible. Now, um, you mentioned about the different pickup types of uh, microphones. But there are different uh, te- like capsule technologies uh, of microphones as well. Um, the kind of microphone we've got is a dynamic mic. And dynamic mics are... Um, much better suited to areas that may be prone to background noise. So I'm really fortunate here that where I am at the moment, uh, we call it the studio, but it's just like an extension to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, there is very little no- background noise. In fact, the only noise I can hear at the moment is coming from the studio PC, um, but it's such a small fan, you can't hear it anyway. 
but if the heating was on, I can see the boiler from here, then you wouldn't necessarily hear it through the microphone unless I was speaking, if that makes sense, because I've got a, a, a gate um, on this, uh, on what you're listening to, I've got a gate, but on this recording, I don't. So you wouldn't necessarily note that. But with a condenser microphone, which is the other kind, um, condenser mics are usually uh, used by um, professionals in professional environments where they are operating in sound booths because condenser mics do have a much better audio quality, in my opinion. However, if a gnat farts in the corner of the room, the condenser microphone will pick it up. Mm -hmm. They're so sensitive to noise around them. Before we got these Samson mics, we did have uh, a pair of condenser mics, um, uh, Behringer C1s, I think they were. And the sound quality was really, really good. But if there was any background noise whatsoever, it picked it up. And, you know, that, that can be problematic. So the next thing is is about, we rec- normally record in Audacity, um, is, is, is to my term as what levels... Um, is what gets me. And I think unless you're like a really good audio f- kind of person, you know, to audio for non audio person, I think that's quite hard to understand. I don't think if you've got like a, a magician's, uh, a, mus- a musical musician's air kind of thing. It, <laughs> it, it is, is, is knowing that kind of level kind of thing. Cause I know that when you, um, talk, you can see that you were saying earlier about the waveform, uh, going between 0.5 but there's another thing like where you can see where it like gets it starts from like minus 57 all the way to like zero kind of thing and the louder you talk it it does peak out absolutely so in i mean in audacity and i would imagine a lot of other um uh audio workstation packages as well when you're recording you usually get some kind of volume meter uh, the one that I've got on my screen, which is at the very top of the screen in Audacity, is measuring uh, the sound that has been recorded directly from what's coming in through the mixer. And as you say, it's a scale that runs from minus 57 to zero. Uh, and so that's um, a, a scale where zero is the absolute maximum that you should be recording at. If you go above zero, what will happen is there's a little red mark on the right-hand side, just to the right of zero, which will stay on to say at some point recently you have peaked and gone over that um, gone over that level. Uh, now, when when you're talking normally, you'll see that up to a point that bar is green, and that's where you want your level to be under normal circumstances. Keep your volume, your your recording level, into the green. If you go into the yellow a couple of times, doesn't really matter. But if you find yourself staying in yellow, creeping up to orange, maybe even going into red, then your either your level is too high or you're too close to the microphone. Now, when you're doing a recording at any particular time, it's not always as easy to if you've got a mixer to adjust the the uh, the level, or if you're using something like Audacity to have to move your mouse across to the little slider on the right hand side and take your microphone level down a bit, the easiest way to get around that is just to back up from the the microphone a smidge until you're back into level. That's handy to know then, because I have peaked a couple of times. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I think it's always good to um, have that Audacity on the screen for me anyway to kind of see when I do peak so that you, it's as a visual reminder 
So, and I'm guessing, does it matter if you've got different people, if you've got multiple people recording, that you want to keep everyone the kind of the same kind of level, uh, or that better be done in post production? If you <laughs> if you're in different locations, then it's in it's next to impossible to ensure that everybody is is keeping to the right level. Uh, it's kind of down to the individual to um, to make sure that they're staying at the level that is as optimal optimal as possible. In order to level off when you're in post-production, so after everything's been recorded, you've got your um, distinct audio files. And this is a very good argument for each individual to record their own audio locally, rather than having everybody recorded in the same uh, audio file. Because you then have that ability to uh, level off the individual channels, to remove um, things. I coughed earlier. Um, I'll edit that out so you won't have heard it. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Things like that. But you can't do that easily if you have all the audio merged together in one file. So if if both you and I were speaking at the same time, um, there's no way to identify in the file itself who is speaking at any particular time and you can't isolate one individual out of that. If you're recording your own file locally, then um, by combining them after the fact as separate tracks in a package like Audacity, as long as you've lined them up, um, then it's then easy to isolate individual items. Like if I drop my keyboard or click the mouse or something like that um to be able to to remove those once you've obviously recorded i mean you you normally want us to record where say the files a flak file which i'm guessing is a uh, lossless uh, format yeah so flak is the it is it's it's classified as a lossless um format because it is compressed but when you uncompress it it is back in the original form uh audio formats like mp3 og um m4a i think is the the one that the apple seems to 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 prefer um they're classified as lossy which means that they do get compressed to make the file smaller with no appreciable loss of quality but when you uncompress them uh you have lost some definition you will lose some of the data within there uh, and a classic way to demonstrate this is to go through a, a, a cyclical uh, process of recording a piece of audio, save it as an MP3, close it, open it up in Audacity um, as an MP3, and then export it as an MP3, and do that a few times. And what you'll discover is that the the file you get out of the end of it after three or four attempts of doing this is going to sound really quite bad because you're compressing a compressed audio file again and again and again. When you do it through a format like FLAC or ALAC, which is the the Apple equivalent, um, because it decompresses back to its original form, you don't get that loss of fidelity. So it'll always be as as good as it as it's as it started off. So when you're doing um, post-production, so like with the admin admin podcast, I always ask you guys to send me the files in FLAC format because I'm going to be loading them in and making changes to them and then saving them again. Uh, 
if you sent me the files in mp3 format i'd be taking an already reduced quality file in the form of an mp3 making changes to it and then saving it as an mp3 again mm. which means you'll be compressing an already compressed and uncompressed file which is to be honest that's how i started podcasting i started podcasting by recording as in in, in mp3 and then editing it saving it as an mp3 and you you can tell the difference it's 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 slight but you can tell the difference something i did mention before we would go through kind of on the post-production is about uh audio monitoring and like listening to yourself while you're talking kind of thing because i never really got on with that um <laughs> Uh, well, I think I, when I first got my mic, I used it once, but then it never. But that's because I, I, I haven't managed to get it working. But I think on the the mics we've got, you can plug your headphones directly in the back of your um, of the um, of the of the mic. To um, but I haven't managed to get it working. Um, have you got? Do you do that, or and how and how have you got that set up? And what's the benefit of doing it? I'm just going to try something. Give me a second, because I'm just now unplugged my headphones. And I'm going to plug my headphones in the back of my microphone, and I can't hear myself. Um, and I think that's because the um, the self monitoring of the two QU Q2U microphone even only works in uh, USB mode. So no, that doesn't work for me. Uh, it certainly should work for you because when you plug your um, microphone into the USB port all the audio input and output should be redirected to the microphone. So the microphone then, the, the headphone socket on your microphone then becomes your speakers. Yes. So anything from the uh, from your computer, from your laptop, any audio played from that should then come through your earphones. That's how it should work. Um, going back to the original question about monitoring, yeah, it can be incredibly disconcerting to listen to your own voice as you're talking. The way we've got our um, audio set up here is there is a minute delay between me talking and then me hearing myself, which is also incredibly off-putting. But after a while, you get used to it. Uh, if you're if you're only recording for your own benefit and you don't want to hear yourself then you don't need to wear headphones at all. If you're just talking to yourself, uh, talking to yourself, if you're just recording yourself and no one else, then if you don't want to hear yourself, take your headphones out. Because that way you'll hear yourself better through your own ears. But if you're talking to other people like we are now, by having your own voice coming back to you, you're hearing yourself at the same level as you're hearing the person you're talking to. One thing I have noticed is if you are having a conversation with somebody, let's say on the phone, you're on a, a, a phone call, you've got your earbuds in or your, your headphone or headset on, and you're on the phone to somebody, you'll find that if you're talking, sorry, if they're talking and you want to interrupt them, you start to shout because you can't hear yourself over them because they're in your ears and you're not. So the idea of having uh, you being able to hear yourself while you're recording 
as I said, as off-putting as that may be, it does actually make for a much more natural interaction between the person you're talking to because both you and they are at the same level. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So moving on to um, the post-production. So once you've got your file, um, what kind of things do you do to make it sound better or what what's your workflow? So using um i'm going to have to use admin admin as the the reference point here because i don't do any post-production editing on the podcast what gets recorded is what gets released as a podcast which is um can be interesting uh, i had for, noticed it sounds okay to me so but i haven't got i haven't got the good airs though yes but. some some sometimes you I, I do wish i did edit, edit it <laughs> but uh because we record it and, and stream it live as we go it seems pointless editing out for the podcast when the people that listen live got it as it came out and i suppose it kind of reins us in a little bit if we know that we're not going to be editing stuff out we we tend to be a little bit a little bit more restrained um of the, the kind of things we can potentially get away with anyway back to the point um so on admin admin as part of the uh the process of post-production which i will admit does take a fairly reasonable amount of time to do um i go through well once i've um aligned the tracks so i get your audio i get uh, jerry's audio i get john's audio and i then align them so that when you play them back you're playing them back in in the right chronological sequence now the trick that you guys employ is you say a word at the same time. So that could be biscuits. It could be, I think you you did uh, Ansible once. Um, all I've got to do is find that word in the recording and make and align the three tracks up so that you're all saying that at the same time. And then as long as I don't move them, then that should be the correct alignment for the tracks for the entirety of the show. So the next thing to do once you've done that is start to go through. And what I do is I actually start to play it. I play the the, um, the, the show from that point and look for things that possibly shouldn't be there. So um, mouse clicks, uh, coughs, burps. Yes, I have edited out a number of burps in the past. Um, um, mouse, I've said mouse clicks. Uh, breathing. Um, breathing down the um, down the microphone is a, is a, is a common thing, but it's not a problem because it gets edited out anyway. Uh, sometimes the recording, sorry, sometimes the flow of the show will stop because um, somebody needs to go and, and find something, like I did earlier on. But again, that'll get edited out so the listeners won't hear it. Uh, that I tried to remember the name of a podcast, forgot it. So I went off and opened my phone and found it and then carried on. But that'll get removed from the um, from the final sequence because of how it was recorded. So going through the entirety of that, uh, it, it, is, it is a time-consuming process. If you've got a podcast that is, let's say, an hour long, 60 minutes, I think it's fair to say that it would probably take three, maybe more than three hours to go through it to remove all of those artifacts but it's in my opinion it's worth it because of how it improves the experience of listening to the show in the first place because if you've got somebody who is clicking uh, a mouse 
um, sorry, uh, Al, but you are clicking your mouse at the moment. doesn't bother me in the slightest. The listeners won't hear it because I'll edit it out. But um, it's a natural thing to do. You're going through, you, you know, we've both got documents in front of yeah. us. Uh, we're going to be scrolling up and down them and typing in them. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff can be removed because the listener doesn't need to know that. It's almost as though you're creating an illusion of how things should have been as opposed to what happened in reality. And in fact, another thing, with, although we're recording ourselves locally, we're actually communicating in real time over Mumble. And when Admin Admin, um, when I first started producing Admin 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 Admin, um, we took the recorded files that came out of Mumble rather than locally recorded Audacity. And there was a, a serious problem with the way that Mumble recorded it, is that if you spoke too loudly and it clipped, it actually sounded distorted. It was a really horrible sound. So I, I, I did my best on those recordings to try and go through and remove as much of that crackly sound as possible without removing the word that was being said at the time, which it, it's a forensic process. You have to zoom right into the waveform and find where these, um, where these distortions are. They're fairly easy to spot. So it's not that big of a deal, but as you're going through, you know, an hour's worth of audio, it does take a while to um, to pull that kind of uh, those kind of artifacts out. Fortunately, because we're now using um, the Audacity recordings, uh, we don't get those artifacts, so it's it's helped speed things up a bit. But th- they're all things that you need to consider when you're um, when you're editing a podcast, or even when you're recording a podcast, to try and reduce the amount of post processing that you need. Yeah. That you know. Well, that's why we changed from using the mumble recorded files to the to the uh, audacity ones okay just to, to to make the audio cleaner yeah and trying to be more better not clicking the mouse and yeah it would make your job a lot easier well that's not really a problem to be fair um but i suppose it it depends very much on the generosity of your producer <laughs> so you say remove it do you mean just like silencing it or i'm guessing you must if someone's already speaking someone's clicking a mouse on some on the person who's not speaking i'm guessing you just silence that audio out absolutely so if you've got um your three tracks uh in front of you um the way i i lay the the tracks out for you three um yours is on the top then jerry's then john's alphabetical you understand um so if john is speaking which is invariably the case um and, and you're you're clicking your mouse then it's very easy all i have to do is just highlight the um the the section of audio where those mouse clicks appear just that one track where the um where the audio is that you want to remove. And then if you go into the edit menu, remove special and then silence audio, it effectively just silences that particular uh, highlighted section of audio. Um, You can't delete it because that will put everything after it out of alignment. That's what I was guessing. Yeah. So you would just, um, all, all it does is it just, that piece of highlighted audio just gets put down to zero. It's effectively as though it never existed in the first place 
but it's still there in time. You've still got those two or three seconds of, of audio there, but it's silent. So once that bit's done, so you've uh, deleted all the bits, the coughs and everything out, what's the next kind of stage to do? Okay, so once it's been edited down, so the three or however many order channels you've got are clean and you've topped and tailed it so that the stuff that came before it and the stuff that's come after it aren't there anymore you've effectively got your final mix of of audio okay now you may have music to put in you may have an introduction to put in but that is your core audio done and and dusted so i suppose it depends on what you wanted to do next the the process I go through is I go through and um, use a service called Orphonic that I did hint to earlier on in the conversation. Uh, and what that does, I send all three audio files through Orphonic. And what it does is it levels them for me, but it levels them using, um, using loudness rather than uh, the amplitude, the actual waveform. So when you get your... Um, your tracks back it's actually merged them together into one track it's, it's, it's called a multi, multi-track production you put your three tracks in you specify you want them leveled and um, it then merges them into one file that you get back with all three tracks merged into one so th- at that point you're kind of at the stage now where you can't do any more cleansing of that file because it's all been merged together uh once that file comes out, to be fair, that file is good enough to publish, in my opinion. Um, but if you then have um, further stuff to do, like if you have a, uh, an introduction that's recorded separately with the admin admin stuff, because the introduction is recorded in exactly the same way, I do exactly the same thing to it, even though it's only you know, 20, 30 seconds long. Three files, clean them, top and tail them, export them, stick them into a phonic, multi-track, level them, one file out. So I end up with one short file that's an introduction, one longer file that's the actual show content, and then I just put tunes um, around them to, uh, to to finish off, and then that becomes the final episode that I then send to you for um, for publishing on the site. So you put the music in afterwards, or the intro and outro after it's been through that that service. Yes, in the in the in the case of uh, of admin admin, yes, the the music is is the last thing to go in. Okay, and how does that work with the, like levels and stuff? The kind of thing that I'm thinking in my head. Kind of did that? Does it, would do you do that in Audacity or something else? Or no, it's it's done in Audacity. So okay. the. Um, the, the two audio files from recording, so the intro and the, and the main section, uh, I put those in and put them roughly in the place that they need to be. Um, so the intro goes in at about, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds in f- um, from the audio, and then the main part goes in about 5 or 10 seconds after the introduction's finished. And then I take a series of snippets that I've created from the theme tune, and... The theme tune is uh, is looped. So there's one part that is just the... the it's very difficult to, to, to explain this. Um, so there's one part that is just the very first part of the theme tune. 
Then there's another part in the middle that gets repeated for as long as the intro is is, is uh, happening. And then there's another part where the intro theme tune fades out. So if the intro is five seconds long, which it typically isn't, or the intro is a minute and a half long, which it typically isn't, um, by having that repeating section in the middle, it doesn't matter. Because all will happen is you'll get that initial uh, start of the theme tune, and then a repeating portion, and then a fade out at the end. And the li- all the listener hears is some music in the background. But it doesn't feel out of place because the the various segments that are used to make up however long the intro is going to be, they're designed to be placed together. So if you take your first bit and then three or four middle bits and then your fade-out bit at the end, it sounds like it works because of how they've been, um, how they've been created, how they've been sized. And exactly the same happens with the outro as well. Yeah, and then you can just export it as an MP3, and then you, then I can publish it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I like the idea of that. Uh, the uh, what's it called? Orphonic, orphonic, orphonic. Yeah, orphonic. Okay, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, anything else? Uh, that, you covered most of my um, questions. Um, what I've what I've asked about. Um, what all the different what the post production is and the getting the recording audio. Um, I mean, if I'm going to do my um, the thirty days of November, put, is that right? Thirty November. I'm guessing it's thirty right. days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, yeah, if I'm doing it just on myself, I'm guessing just using that, it's going to be a lot more easier than trying to edit uh, multiple tracks into one kind of thing. So, uh, are you planning to do it as well, then, Dave? Um, I am. Yes. Um, it's it's not my first uh, attempt at Napod Pomo. I think this it's either my fourth or fifth attempt. Um, I say attempt, you know, I, I, I have completed it. But I, I didn't do it last year, but I did do it in 2016. Um, but uh, no, I, I just fancied doing it again for the chuckles. And I'm going to try and... I think last time I did it in 2016 I I made the mistake of not planning it in in advance not having a a purpose for doing it Uh, and as a result I I dried up fairly early it was about day seven or day eight where I actually ran out of ideas and thought you know what forget this I'm just going to play music and ended up talking for about two minutes and then playing Mm -hmm. a song at the end of it which wasn't where I wanted it to go so this year I'm putting in some some planning time and one of the things I want to do is at least once a week I want to get on uh somebody else who is doing Napo Pomo as well. So in addition to you there's at least two other people that I know two other podcasters who are going to be doing Napo Pomo um this year and I th- figured it might be fun to do uh crossover episodes where let's say you and I record an episode together and we release the same episode on both of our Napo Pomo feeds. Sounds like a plan. But I'll put a link in the show notes to my feed and I guess we'll put a link to your feed as well so that we've got them. So <laughs> I haven't that, decided where it's going yet, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't decided yet either. Um, that's why I was trying to revamp my website uh, the other day to, from the nine or the 2000s when I had it with a just normal HTML site and now bring it into a WordPress site. Um, so uh yeah okay thank you very much for your time uh dave it's been no, really it's, it's been it's been fun um I, I would like to end by saying 
when it comes to doing podcasting, it really isn't rocket science. Uh, just because I've got a setup that um, has multiple microphones and a mixing desk and a dedicated studio PC and a dedicated stupid studio area, I've been podcasting for over 10 years. So because podcasting is such a big part of, of who I am and who, who we are as a family here, um, it's only natural that we've actually managed to build up this this kind of equipment over time. But I'll be perfectly honest, you can get a pretty decent sound quality out of a mobile phone, just recording into the into the microphone on the, on the mobile phone. There are very inexpensive, and I'm talking like £1.52 perhaps, um, what are called lapel microphones or lavalier microphones that you can buy off of, um, of Amazon, which you can attach like a tie clip, the kind of ones they use on, on telly. You put it on, a, on your collar or something like that. Uh, plug that into your mobile phone and just record from that. And the, the quality is, is really, really good. But it also means, A, you don't have to hold your phone. And B, you get a consistent sound out of it because the microphone doesn't move. But, you know, you you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to have, you know, spend loads of, of money on equipment. You don't have to spend money on, on websites. There are plenty of, um, of web services that will, uh, that will host your audio, um, for podcasting. Anchor is, is one, um, audio boom is another one, but I don't know whether they're actually struggling at the moment. Um, I heard rumors that audio boom might be, uh, either being bought or sold or something. Um, in the not too distant future, but there are are plenty of places you can record and um, and host your audio for free. Um, uh, Hacker Public Radio, of course, being one of them. Yes, um, yes. Thanks again, Dave. Um, and I'm guessing we catch us on another show sometime. Well, you haven't you haven't plugged your podcast yet. Oh yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, host a podcast called the Ab Madden Podcast, which. Uh, I have done a couple of episodes on HPR before. I think I might have done two. Um, one was coming from we went our first odd camp, and then talk about what we um, and how we were talking about uh, what our experiences. I don't know if I've done a second one, but it was like 2014 the last time I recorded, and I heard it as a, uh, a um, call for shows, so that's why I wanted to kind of record this show. Um, yeah, but Abman Podcast is kind of a it's a kind of a techie podcast for sysadmin DevOps people. Uh, it's not just Linux, sorry, it's not just Linux, Linux, Windows, uh, VMware, uh, virtualization. It's just where we, uh, we don't really have a, we have a kind of a rough idea what we're going to talk about, but we and normally end up a lot talking off topic. Um, we just three guys just chatting, um, about what we've been up to or anything we've found out really. Stream of consciousness was one of the, uh, descriptions that, uh, you were given over email recently. Yeah. <laughs> which isn't a bad thing i'll be honest so yeah and then dave does uh the uh the pre-production of it uh for i think it must be the last 10 episodes now i'm guessing something and, like that yeah and it's definitely improved and all this is accounts going up and i mean do you want to guess you want to just pod um, plug your car your podcast i'd be rude not to wouldn't i <laughs> um so i do a, a podcast with my good lady wife uh on a weekly basis called the Bugcast, and um that is a music and chat show um which doesn't really have um a format or an agenda as such it's just some some damn good music and a bit of waffle in between yeah i do like the, i definitely like the chat it's quite good the chatting you know, and um I normally used to listen to it at the weekend after we released it, doing my doing the housework around the house <laughs> kind of thing. 
Oh, excellent. But we'll, we'll put the link to, um, to both of those shows into the, uh, into the show notes. So if you want to have a listen to those, you're uh, very welcome. Yes. Okay. I guess we'll see everyone soon. Ta-da! You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.